Good morning and a very warm welcome to everybody here today at Alverson Baptist and for those who may be watching locally, nationally and internationally we welcome you today as our guest. It's so great to be with you today and straight to be back today. We had a few weeks off as we mentioned before it was just nice to get around a bit of our our state and have a look at different things. I had a look at Liffey Falls and that was great just to see how majestic is God's handiwork. And I just wanted to share today with you a scripture in Psalm 18 verse 1 to 3. It says there, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my God, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and, and I am saved from my enemies. As we still navigate our way through this season, I think I just keep coming back to the truth of who God is. That he is my strength. When we are weak, he gives us strength. He lifts us up and he holds us. We do not have to fear. We get our strength from him alone. As it says in Corinthians, his grace is sufficient for us. When we are weak, we are made strong. It says our rock, our deliverer, our fortress. And we can come to him as our protection, as the one who protects us and keeps us safe at all times. It says in verse 3, I will call upon the name of the Lord. Have you been finding yourself in this season calling continually upon the name of the Lord? When you may have been in despair, thought, how are you going to get through? Yes, there has been at times it could have been lonely, alone, but the Lord our God is always there. We just happened to be speaking to a businessman yesterday in Victoria, um, in Melbourne, standing on just for a particular reason. And we were just having a chat to this guy and you could just tell in his voice the despair that he's had in his voice. That I think sometimes that we can become a little bit complacent because we're sort of all sailing along or going along. But there's just despair and he's just, he's like, we've got to wear masks in the business now. We can't have people coming from other suburbs. We've got to continually do this and do that. And, you know, half the staff is down and it's just... um. Yeah, it was like there was just no hope, despairness in his voice. You know, and God says we can call upon his name. We can come to again to him. He who is worthy to be praised, it says. Worship, I read a quote this week in one of my books I'm reading. Worship is about fulfilling a destiny to bless the heart of God. So when we worship, we take our eyes off ourselves. We give the praise to God and we will be blessed. We are blessing him, but we also will be blessed. We encourage ourselves. We lift ourselves up. And as we look to him, look up and look to him and keep going. So we can't wait to get back in to be with everybody next week. It's going to be really exciting. So i just like to, to welcome now Louis to come and share. Thank you very much. Hello and good morning once again for this day. We hope you are doing absolutely uh, brilliant in light of our current circumstances. 
In reality, as we know, this is going to be around for a while. This is a whole new way of life. And so we're going to, uh, we're journeying together, aren't we, really, at the end of the day. And so it is great to have you with us. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the in the lounge foyer space, that we uh, are really excited for next Sunday. And there will be some uh, regular updates uh, to keep you exactly posted, particularly UBC family, what is happening and how we are going to do this. So, how cool is that? All looking forward to it. Feels a bit weird. I may have to bring my uh, my slippers with me just to uh, just to feel, feel, feel the same thing that we've been feeling for now. How many weeks? It's been a lot. So, here we are and here we go. And I really do hope you are doing well. And you and your family, because I understand that some of you are uh, separated or family in different places in hotspots in Victoria particularly we our prayers are for Victoria for the churches the folk everyone uh, have you noticed that the rivalry between state to state has got a little nasty and a little heated uh, um, I was talking to another businessman just the other day um, about an order we have for the church and I said how business is going and he said that he uh, had some cancellations from South Australia of all places it's no surprise um, because they thought they might get the coronavirus by his product. And I was like, okay, well, that's how it is. So it's it's a really interesting uh, time and season for all of us. And some of you maybe even feel that way. I don't know, but let us pray. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. May you speak through me, to me and to each and every one of us, to every heart, to every mind, to every living person, living soul right now, that you would speak your eternal words. We pray this in your wonderful and awesome, majestic name, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, here we, here we are, and uh, we're getting ready for a, a sermon and a message, and we're going to be looking, in fact, at Luke chapter 24. And so as you do that, I just want to again just shout out to Cameron and Ken over the last number of weeks, just pulling it all together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also for the team and everyone, uh, thank you. There are people working behind the scenes. There's budgeting, there's finance, there's bills to be paid. There's all sorts of things that are happening. And uh, you know who you are. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, uh, CLT team and elders. Thank you, everyone, uh, for all that you do on so many levels, life group leaders, people reaching and connecting and gathering your groups together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How amazing are you? So... That's awesome, and uh, we celebrate you. Wow, exciting times. Here we are, Luke 24, uh, and I think this really highlights, as I was reading this, I felt God speak, speak to me, and I feel this will be an overflow of what God has been speaking to me about, to speak to you about as well in this day right now. You know, it's, we hear a lot of messages, and we can forget a lot of things, so often I'll try and uh, put words together to help us to, to remember. So sometimes there's an overflow in that, and I'm fine with that. You know, remember the Hebrews learned things going over seven times in repetition. So if you get that, that's okay. Uh, but I want to read from Luke 24, and it really highlights where we are at. And so this is a, a passage of, this is resurrection morning. This is Peter uh, um, running down to the tomb, hearing that Jesus is, is not there. He's not in the tomb, and he goes in, he has a look, and, and this is what we pick up in, in verse 12. And it says this, he sees there's no Jesus, and he goes, Then he went away wondering what had happened. 
And I thought, Peter, you were so close and yet so far. You're just so close, but just missed it. He went away wondering what had happened. And I don't know about you and I, uh, but I think we're all feeling this, aren't we? What is going on? What is happening? What sort of world are we living in? And uh, I think if you are doing anything, you are saying, what is going on? What is happening? And I know I am. And Peter, of all people, is asking and raising that question as well. So if you're like me, you may be wondering exactly what is happening, but we need to know one thing. One thing that we have in common. One thing that we have as united as we can be. And that is that we have the same experience and that we can never go back from this. In 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years time, our kids, we will remember this year, 2020, as what the happened in this year. (laughs) Uh, What the heck happened in this year, really, to be honest with you? What is going on? Can we believe we're over halfway and we're now planning and thinking of the end of the year? We are now getting ready for second semester. What has happened? And we can't go back. We're in this together as believers, as, as people, as a community, and even as a community of faith. We have been bonded by a common enemy a common threat to our very life and our very existence. And I know that sounds deep, but that's the reality. We get it. But we cannot rewind the tape. We cannot erase 2020 globally or locally. It is what it is. You knew I was going to say that. I think all the football players and being interviewed are saying the same thing. It is what it is. It is what it is. We have to move, we have to do this. Anyway, I'm not going to talk footy. That's enough of footy for, for me. However, I believe this could be the church's greatest hour. And if you look at history, and if history is anything to go by, it's often in these times of plagues and persecution that the church thrived because we're different. There's something different about us as believers and it's because Jesus is the one who makes the difference in our lives and that hopefully radiates to a society and reflects within a society. So we are learning how to do things and we're learning how to do new things in new ways. And so for you and I, this church, life and socially, engagements, everything, it is new, it is different. And as I said, this is our greatest hour. I really believe, and I, and I didn't realise this until really now, and I've, I've, I've leaned in a little bit with this. I believe for us, I believe prior to the pandemic, that God spoke to us as a church, let hope arise. It's on our LED screen up near the clock tower on our church building. People drive past and they can see, let hope arise. And I think we have to choose to let hope arise. We have to choose that. It will not arise unless we choose to engage in exactly what that means. And that's what this message is exactly about. In Romans 12, uh, in, in 12, verse 12, 12, chapter 12, verse 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And of course it goes on verse 13, distributing to the, to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Talking about how we should practice. Starting off about living for God, not living and being conformed to the world, but being conformed to the pattern of, and purpose and image of Jesus. And so this is in the context of how reminding us to be rejoicing in hope. 
Let hope arise. We need hope. We cannot live a second without hope. I've shared a lot about hope over the last number of weeks. And so you know where it comes from. Faith is the substance of things. What? Hope for. Things that are not presently seen. So hope is a substance as well. Hope is part of the ingredient of faith. But it's not something you can just hold and crystallize. It's something that you behold internally in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul. So we now just catch up with Luke chapter 24. Jesus is making the rounds. This is resurrection morning, as I said. And uh, almost this, this narrative uh, would not make a lot of sense other than because of Jesus, of course. And that's life, isn't it? Life won't make a lot of sense unless we include Jesus into every step of every day, of every minute. And so we're going to look at just a few verses, a very uh, just a few verses, I can have a lot, but not today. Luke 24, 13 to 16, and it says this in the New Living Translation. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles or 11 kilometers or around about from Jerusalem. It was a, a lengthy walk, it wasn't an easy walk, what we understand. And so this wasn't just a walk around the streets or the block. This was a... Uh, uh, not a, not, I wouldn't say exhausting walk, but you had to put some effort into it. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that happened. It's interesting, the, the understanding Greek is this, actually talks about they were having this conversation, but there even, there's even points to they were arguing. It, it was not, not a debate or, or angrily, but they were just, just talking and tossing and throwing all these ideas and everything that had happened. Of course, because they were discouraged, they were saddened, they, they've heard reports, but unsure, and this is where it is. As they were talking about everything that happened, and they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came. We talked about it suddenly a number of weeks ago, earlier on in the piece, in, in I think maybe early March sometime, and suddenly came and began walking with them. What a moment. What a magnificent moment. But God kept them from recognizing him being Jesus. I'd like to ask you two questions. Why did Jesus even appear here to these two disciples? It's, it's, it's really only mostly referenced here in Luke. Uh, there's, there's a brief portion in, in Mark where it just gives an overview, just a couple of verses. But here we read a little bit of what, what happened. And it's just interesting that Luke wants to really not miss these details. He wants to get everything, get the facts right, and, and just uh, and be in pursuit of this truth. So I want to ask you, why was Jesus, why would Jesus appear to these disciples, one being Cleopas? And the other, the identity we do not know. Some have said that it may be his wife, some say it was Peter, or possibly another disciple. There's some fours and against with all that, but that's not really important who it was. Uh, if it was important, I'm sure we would know. But this is what we do know, that we've got two people, two disciples, disciples, two followers, not of the 12, but of the extended range of followers and believers of Jesus. And uh, Jesus comes alongside them and joins their conversation. I'm sure there are lots of conversations going on that morning. But Jesus chose to join these two people on their walk because he had plenty of time, I think, to have this conversation and for you and I to read this today and to lean in, lean in, in our current 
circumstance as well. We may be feeling sad. Maybe we're feeling bewildered. Maybe we're feeling a sense of loss and pain and hurt and anguish. We're, we may be feeling all those things. I think we could all say yes and amen at this time and season. That's the reality of it. Let's not pretend we're okay if we're not okay. It's been incredibly challenging talking to leaders and pastors and friends. I'm talking to people whose levels of anxiety are never high, but now have have gone on that rectus scale up a little bit higher than, than, than normal. These are totally understandable considering the circumstances. So as again, you know what I say? Be kind to yourself. Pull back. Be kind to yourself. Speak well to yourself. Okay, be kind to yourself, be nice to yourself. Okay, here's a couple of thoughts then. Uh, uh, oh, this is my second question, sorry. And if Jesus appeared before you, in your moment right now of transition, would you recognize him? That's the second question I want you to think about. As we look to allowing hope to arise, what do we need to do to practice having this hope? Well, number one, right thoughts. Verse 14, they were talking with each other over these things. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that happened. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, what happened? Where's Jesus? What's going on? We thought, we thought, and we know this because, because Jesus asks a question, what do you, what's going on? And they were like, huh? In fact, Scripture says that they stopped still, looked down, because um, they were so sad, but they were so shocked by the question of Jesus, not recognizing Jesus in that moment. Everything has happened. What happened? Everything. Everything sort of seems to be like their world is falling apart. Everything is going wrong. Uh, it, needs, it is a great mind to consider and rethink what is happening. But there has to be a process of our minds. In our separation, in our season, in our challenging moment that it is, I cannot stress to you how important it is and how vital it is to talk things out. Even if you're making sense or making no sense at all. How important that we get to see that two people were talking over the process of what has been going on, what has been transpiring. There has to be a process in our mind. There has to be a way that we can have conversation. I'm thankful for the people in my life that I can talk to. And I trust that you have people that you can raw, rawly talk about. I was talking to a friend who's a police officer and just the challenges in Victoria right, in some hot spots, and just talking about the challenges that they're, he's walking through. And so these are things that are, that are real for every one of us in this time, and uh, we've got to talk it out. We're going to have someone to talk to. So can I encourage you that it's really easy because we're isolated at some point, though there's some engagement, just to bear it and carry it on our own shoulders, and you and I were never called to do that, never. We're called to share each other's burden. In fact, we're, we're encouraged to cast our burdens and our cares upon the Lord because he cares for you and for me. So that's number one. Write thoughts. Write thoughts. Talk about your ideas, your feelings, your emotions, your concerns, your hurts, your loss. This is important. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another. Pray that you for each other that you may be healed. Not of our sin or from eternal damnation. None of that. It's talking about how when we talk, it helps us to let it out. It's a relief valve. We start to talk about how we're feeling. I really think that we are not post-coronavirus. We're, we're in the middle of it. There's a, there's a before, there's a during and middle, and there's an after. We're not in the after. We may think we are, but we are not. And so we've got to 
think this through and set up uh, practices that will help us. And so can I encourage you to talk. Find someone to talk. And sometimes that might not be a, a loved one because that may be weird and uncomfortable. But you need to find someone who's safe and you can trust them with and you need to talk it out. However um, gibberish it is, you need to talk it out. Uh, I need to talk it out. I have people who talk it out with me and I talk it out with them. How important is that? So we need right thoughts. And by talking it out, it helps us to get the right thoughts. As they were talking, Jesus came into the conversation. He wanted to interrupt the conversation because he, he heard their talk. And in the midst of because they were talking it out, he was able to engage in a conversation and lead it in another direction. Very important. And we can see the end result of this uh, had great significance. We need to confess our faults and our errors and we need to talk of our shames and errors and sharing is caring but sharing is healthy. And as we often get to hear and think about our, our thoughts as we say them out loud, we go, wow, I was thinking that. Wow, that was interesting. I was harboring it in my, in my inside but now I, I now if I hear it, it doesn't make a lot of sense or it's not practical or, or unrealistic or, or whatever it may be for you. So number one, remember, right thoughts. The warning here is to overthink things. Philippians 4, 4, 8 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honourable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think on these things which are excellent and worthy, worthy of praise. Imagine if you were just to, to record your what, everything you say in a day and have a look at it. Would there be anything worthy of praise in that? I'm challenged by that myself, to be honest with you sometimes I just call things as they are. And I've got to sometimes put a bit more grace into that. But that's the reality of it. Remember Jesus, uh, when he rebuked Peter in Matthew 16, 23, you are a stumbling block to me. The scripture won't be there. You do not have uh, in mind the concerns of God. Now, it's interesting because in that same, same thought process is what happens here in this narrative. So number two, we're going to look at right vision. Right vision. Jesus joins them in verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus came himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I like that. You know, there's a sense where we don't have all the answers. It's a journey. One step, another step, and another step. And there's a sense even physically that this journey, Jesus was walking with them step by step. He was walking with them, listening, asking the question, what news, what's going on? He wanted to see what they were thinking, what thought process, what culture of thinking and mindset was going on. But then he wanted to redirect them to the right vision, the right focus. And I love it how he does this. He is the risen saviour, okay, fresh from the tomb, literally, okay, walking as a man and as a king. Hey, the risen saviour in their midst. Remember my question at the start? If Jesus was, are you aware that Jesus is with you right now? If Jesus was to meet you, uh, you know, and you to meet with him, would you be aware of that? Are you expecting that to happen? And yet, he was still a stranger. He was the Lord, but they didn't see him as Lord. They saw him as an individual, someone who wasn't in touch with the current happenings of the day. Oh boy, what an interesting scenario to face. And why this is that moment of resurrection, 
the resurrected Lord as the greatest and most significant event had just occurred, they completely missed it. They failed. They failed to grasp. They failed to appreciate the moment. They failed to reflect on the information Jesus said and spoke about all these years. And in their own ignorance, they missed it. And that's a warning for us and for you and for me that we miss it in our own ignorance or our pride or our stubbornness. This is how it should be done. This is what happened and this is how we're going to deal with it. And we feel let down. We feel disappointed as they were. They were feeling all that plus more. They missed it. Jesus was making the headlines. In fact, he is the headlines in that moment. Here's a couple of thoughts. When we focus on the wrong things, we will miss seeing Jesus. We will miss being aware. Uh, a number of weeks I, I finished a, an essay, uh, around 7,000 words essay, on, on the theme of the presence from garden to revelation, uh, and including this thought of the pandemic and the challenges for churches and leaders and, and everything. Anyway, got a really good mark. Thank you, Lord. I was praying. Thank you. Uh, a lot of work into that. A lot of people helped me with, with getting that to, to the end result. But it really brought to my attention, which is probably really good, to really start thinking about how aware am I of the presence of Jesus? How truly am I aware of Jesus being with me all the time, never leaving me? It really challenged me because sometimes we live as if Jesus is very far away. When I think everything would change if we actually were aware of how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and how much... We are valued and precious in his sight. How shouldn't that and wouldn't that change how we think and how we do life? Right vision, I think, is truly important. Number, number B in this would be when you focus on the wrong narrative, you can miss the right narrative, the right thing, and see a, a, a focus on the wrong things can create a preoccupation to not see what is right before your very eyes. Are you thankful? Do you have a grateful heart, a thankful heart, an appreciative heart? I think these are things that really shed light into to our vision, our state of mind, what we are uh, saying, thinking, speaking. Luke 24, 16, but God kept them from recognizing him. Hold that thought. God kept them. I think that's really interesting. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk what? By faith and not by Sight. On the holidays, we were amazed to meet so many business people around Tasmania and in different places who are so optimistic. This is the Tasmanian spirit. There's no doubt about it. Seeing battlers and businesses of all sizes and, 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 and uh, uh, influences uh, and, and degrees of what they're providing and, and, and whatnot, seeing Tasmanians so resilient, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. And, and yeah, there were some who, who were really shocked and, and are being impacted really heavily. And yet there was this glimmer of hope. Somehow we'll get through this. We've got through stuff before. We'll get through this. These are people who are saying this in their conversations. I always be asking, how are you doing? I get a coffee. How are you doing? How's business? How are you doing? And so as I do this, I get to hear. It's amazing what you get to hear when you ask that question. Uh, what people will say in the moment of their vulnerability. And I was just blown away. We were blown away by how positive people were in light of it all. So I just want to encourage you. Uh, yeah, there's some, there's, there's some tough stories. There's no doubt. And there'll probably be more. 
but there's a sense where you and I, we have a responsibility to let hope arise. Number three, right direction. What direction are you going in? Think about this. The epicenter of everything happening is in Jerusalem. Okay? They've heard of the news this morning. It's all happening. It's city life. It's woo! It's all happening. They're leaving that. They're walking, discouraged, deflated, wondering that we got this wrong. We got this so terribly wrong. We did not understand what is going on. We missed it. And as they're talking about this, as you know, Jesus comes in. And I just love how you can read more about this in, in, in that passage. Uh, but that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Friends, they were going in the wrong direction. They're going in the wrong direction. Now, sounds like they were going home. But this is not a time to go home. This is not time to pack up. This is a time to actually investigate, to find out, to, oh, what's going on here? And they were deflated. And this is the challenge that we see. Because Jesus, this conversation that Jesus had with them in this narrative was to get them back on the right track. There's no doubt about it. To correct their thinking, to correct their vision and their focus, and to get them back on the right direction. That's where they would have probably best stayed. Stay in Jerusalem. Find out what's going on. Gather with the disciples, the other disciples. Talk it out. But no, they're on their own, walking down the path, thinking that, oh, well, you know, <laughs> woe is me, and, and talking it through. They had knowledge of, of history. They had knowledge of Jesus' teaching because they recite to Jesus when he asked them, what's, what's happening? What news? And where have you been? And they start to tell him everything that's happened. You know, uh, all, all that Jesus had spoke. They said that. But they, but they missed it again because of the wrong focus, the wrong conversation, the wrong thoughts, and, and that led them into the wrong direction. You know, uh, belief determines behavior. This is exactly that point right now. They were leaving the hot spot. Jesus uh, does something very interesting here. He rebukes them. In the same way he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have the thing, the mind of, of God's things or the concerns of things of God in, in mind right here. And he rebukes them. In the New Living Translation, it says, You foolish people. In Young's, it says, Slow of heart. In the voice, it says, Come on. I could just see Jesus going, Come on. Really? You don't get this? I thought I was a pretty good teacher. In the message, it says, So thick headed. Slow, slow, so slow hearted. Say that fast three times. So slow hearted. This really emphasizes the, the feeling and emphasis here where these were just so off track. There was the wrong thoughts, there was there was the wrong focus and vision, and there was the wrong direction. This is what we see, and we need to have the opposite of each one of those. Jesus saying, What's wrong with you? Don't you see? Didn't you pay attention? The Christ had to suffer these things. You know, when we talk about suffering and challenges, we all switch off. There must be something in our mind that just switches off and says, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear bad news. You know, when you hear bad news of, of someone or a loved one, I've been there, I know what it's like personally, you don't believe it. Your body just it doesn't accept it initially. You cannot believe this is true. You, you, it is surreal. You are numb in pain and disbelief of what you've just heard. It is, it is frightening and it is, is, and it is confronting at the same time. Jesus is saying, what's wrong with you guys? Don't you get this? I believe we have the capacity to block out these sad moments. 
And the Bible never bypasses that. James starts talking about the study of his letter. Consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you go through various trials and temptations. He tells us how to go through stuff. There's the key. How? Consider it joy. And I know for you and I, we never go to joy as our first stop. It's the last stop. Who wants to go to joy? Yay, I'm being trialed. Yay, I'm in temptation. Yay, thumbs up. Beautiful. No, it's not what we do. It's not what we should do. But James is saying, consider it all joy when you're going through this because God has a greater plan and a greater purpose and a greater mission for you. This chapter could be a, a sense of mission, mayhem and madness. And yet, this is what is happening right now. We have the capacity to block out bad news and bad experiences or even sad news. And they were certainly, definitely struggling with what is happening in that day. Psalm 32, 8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best path of your life. I'm not sure if it's in the screen there. I will advise you and watch over you. To be followers of God, how important is to carry the faith in our hearts? After all, we need to carry in our hearts the hope of why we believe and why we find today and in the last six months difficult to comprehend or even fathom. We each must take heart, trust Jesus and walk steadily in this season. Because it's not over, friends. And we don't know what will happen next week or the week after, the week after, here, anywhere. We are, we are really now called and asking that we're all as believers are going to walk by faith and not by sight. And if it ever mattered, it, mattered, it matters most now. Can I encourage you with that? You may be not feeling that encouraged, but, but trust me. Have a think about what's going on here now. Jesus is with you. You just maybe don't know it. You're not aware as you could be, or as I could be. But they had one thing going for them. If you read in verse 21, it says this, as they self-disclose, they were hoping, but the hope was disappointed. But the Bible says hope does not disappoint. It says, but we had hoped, when they replied to Jesus, we had hoped, but we had hoped. They were troubled in heart, yes. They, they were hard of understanding, yes. But they were reviewing all that happened. Why? Because they only saw a prophet and not the Messiah. And we will miss it if we just look at a prophet or we just look at a teacher rather than seeing the Messiah, the Saviour for mankind, for humanity, for the world. This is the paradigm. This is the focus that each of us, each of us need to have. Because the sad tale of this narrative is that they missed enjoying the moment with Jesus. They missed it. And I believe in my life, I look back and I missed moments with Jesus. I missed moments. I was too busy, too tasked, too this, too that, and I missed moments. What about you? Have you missed moments? Have you missed moments? Now, we're not to live in condemnation or, or in regret, but I know I've missed moments. And so it's my mission my personal life's goal, to make sure I don't miss, miss moments, that I see Jesus in the midst of whatever it is that we're walking through, that I'm walking through and that you're walking through. And that requires substance. It requires hope. The substance of things not presently seen. They had the wrong thoughts. They had the wrong vision. And they were going in the wrong direction and maybe this narrative is a reminder from the Lord our Saviour our Messiah our God 
our Saviour and King, Jesus Christ. Why did he come and talk to these two? Because it's utterly important that you and I see how important it is to see Jesus in whatever season, whatever news, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever pandemic, whatever story, whatever headlines that are going on around about us, to see Jesus in the midst. What's interesting that everything changed, and I'd love to spend more time on this, and maybe next week I may do this. What's interesting is, is in this mist, Jesus begins, continues to walk on. So they had their chat, Jesus had their, his chat, and then he's about to walk on and say, come and join us. And so they sit down, and Jesus is breaking bread. You don't do that. He's not the master of the house. The master of the house, the head of the house did that, not the guest. We spoke about that a little while back. So Jesus is doing something, he has been really forthcoming, okay, very bold, very indignant, and, and he is breaking the bread. As he broke the bread and gave thanks, then their eyes were open. See, the sense about fellowship and presence is just there. We talked about, you know, just briefly in my study, gathered presence. And there it is, where two or three gathered there in the midst of thee. There I am in the midst of thee. There are two walking in the road. There I am in the midst of thee. And that is it. There's something very powerful about communion. Communion should not be a ritual. It shouldn't be something we just do for the sake of it. There's not a lot that the New Testament says about communion. But what it does say, it hones in on the promise of presence, active presence, current presence state. Very important. Look at that at another time. And it changed everything. At the breaking of bread, the eyes were open, and what happened? Hope filled the heart. Delight came back. Vision was restored. Passion was refueled. And here we go, verse 1, and uh, in all the places, their eyes were open at that moment. And it says, what did they do? Immediately, Jesus disappeared. Boom, he's gone. He's going to go off now and see someone else. And as he does that, they realize Jesus, and they run back. They go straight back at night. They go to Jerusalem. They've just walked it. They've had a meal, and they're going straight back to meet with the other disciples and to talk out what is going on, what is happening. And we read on how Jesus then meets them and say, Why are you doubtful? Why are you so discouraged still? Don't you get it? I told you this is what was going to happen. Hope arisen in their hearts, and they went back where they shouldn't have left in the first place, but they did because they had no hope. But when hope is restored, things start to restore in our lives, our circumstances, our situations. Hope is powerful. You and I, we can't live without it. So what should we do? Let hope arise. Right thoughts, right thinking, okay, right focus, right vision, and make sure that by that we are in and going the right direction. That's for us as individuals, families, and as a church, as we minister and reach, and learn how to do that even more so to the community that we live in. So let us see that God is in control. Let us see that God has a grander plan for you and for me. And certainly while this demonstrates how easily we can miss what God is doing, may we always be hungry to have that conversation and to lean in and to keep learning. And when we do that, hope will be in an atmosphere, an environment where it will thrive. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those who are watching and listening and will listen to this during the week or whenever their moment of hearing this, that you would speak to us, speak to them, that we would be challenged by the word, but also be encouraged and have take delight in who you are, that we would not miss you in this moment. 
How dreadful would it be for us to just go through this and not know you are with us, to not sense you are by our side. It is not the way it should be. So Lord, help us to reframe, to refocus, to rethink, to re-see uh, with vision and eyes that would be open and minds that would be enlightened by your presence and your living word in our hearts that we would know you are with us. And I pray, Father, for those who are doing it tough and those who can't see and those who are struggling to see beyond their moment and their day, for whatever reason, I pray that these words of let hope arise will, will, will Father, bring in the hope that they need right now. The Bible says we cannot be saved without hope. So hope is essential. And so I pray, Father, for each one of us that hope will, will, will gain its grip, Lord, like never before in our hearts and our lives in our minds that we may live a life that is honorable to you that honors you that blesses you that blesses others and lord that we can share what you have shared with us your life your death and your resurrection and that you give eternal life and offer eternal life to whosoever whoever will call on your name help us to be ready in this season and let hope arise we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've been challenged. I hope you're thinking about, you know what, I need to just refocus and say, is Jesus with me? Am I aware? If you are, that is good news. God bless you. Let's talk soon. There'll be more updates as we go. And stay tuned. And remember, let hope arise. God bless you. And thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Gabe, for all your work. Lights, camera, action. <laughs> and we'll see you next week at church at the UBC building as we the church come out and gather together. God bless you. Have a great day. Great afternoon. Cheerio.